Welcome to episode 339 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have painter, makeup artist, clothes designer, and just an all-around deep artist, Jody Morlock, on the program. And we talk with Jody from her place in New York City about living in Manhattan in the 1980s, running around with Patricia Field and Cindy Lauper, traveling the world and working on The Daily Show with John Stewart, Stephen Colbert, John Oliver, Samantha B. et al. for 21 years. Also being involved with Debbie Harry's autobiography, doing the cover and illustrations on the inside. Keith Herring, Basquiat, Andy Warhol, Jeffrey Beers, Urban Hieroglyphics, a grand conversation with the one, the only, wonderful Jody Morlock on the program. We have an EWSA titled Thrive and an article written by Emma Silvers for the San Francisco Chronicle titled Debbie Harry Recounts a Career Laden with Drugs and Rock and Roll and a poem called Born. And all of this, of course, as is always the case, is imbued and infused with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. So nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 339 of Troubadours and Tours. Good. 
Isn't it funny how when you are a child, so many messages are out there suggesting that you should be true to thine self, honest, with courage, kind, loving. You also hear that you should be careful not to cause trouble, to get along with people, to be unique, but also that you shouldn't draw attention to yourself. You hear about the vagaries of injustice, and yet it is very often intimated that one should go along to get along. Everyone, well, perhaps not everyone, but many say you should go out there and do it, make it happen. Yet when one does, those same people ignore it or downplay what has been accomplished. I surmise it might be because it does not set well with their sense of their own stead. My dad always told me in no uncertain terms that one of the worst aspects of people he experienced was their jealousy. I didn't see it or understand what he was trying to impart back then. I do more so now. Brothers and sisters, do not get drawn into that way. Continue to seek and foster those ways that you know, in essence, are healthier more soulful and high-minded. Love and be alive. Thrive as a beautiful human being.
Jody Morlock, is that you? <laughs> yes, is this EW? It is EW. Thank you so much oh for my. being on the show. Oh, I'm so excited. This is thrilling. My first uh, Skype interview. Oh, wow, really? Your first time? Yes. If I knew that, I would have I sent some champagne. <laughs> oh, how exciting. <laughs> so where shall we begin? Well, I guess I'll start off by... Throwing out what I know about your very dynamic uh, career and life, and then we'll we'll uh, see where that takes us. I well, I do know that you are a very um, 
well, I guess, positioned. The folks at Pangea say you've worked with everyone. Uh, and you also are very versatile. You're a painter, a makeup artist, a clothes designer, a graphic artist, an illustrator. <laughs> yes, I'm a Renaissance woman, that's for sure. Yeah, and and I, I, you've worked with uh, Cindy Lauper, um, Debbie Harry's recently published book. You did the cover and some illustrations. Um, yes, yes. So we can go it's to all been, those places. I, I was going to say that I feel lately because I've had I've been so lucky to work so with so many amazing people that I feel like I'm a dowsing rod that attracts amazing people to work with it's you know i've been so lucky and i started out with uh my first job was with patricia field and that was 1980 when i first moved to new york so that was like the beginning of the crazy now patricia field did all the uh costumes uh the clothes for sex in the city among other things right yeah she's an amazing person and back then, she was such a visionary. I mean, I was so lucky to have uh, met her. I moved to New York, and I was so green. And my friend that I moved to New York with, um, she eventually, which is crazy, she married Calder's grandson, which is crazy. <laughs> so anyway, I moved to New York with her. We moved in with her brother, who was a clothing designer. And that's how I met Patricia Fields. And back then, her store was called the Pants Pub, which was crazy. I was the first kid that worked in her store. In other words, you know, she was kind of more, they had more like high-end European-style clothing. And I felt at the time, it was the 80s, and she was looking to kind of go in different directions. So I was just this quirky kid that worked in a store. This quirky kid from and, where? Uh, from Florida, Miami, Florida. Miami, Florida. And how old were you when you when you came into New York? I was 21. 21. Quirky kid from yeah. Miami, Florida. And you're in um, which part of uh, New York is that now that we're talking, that you were living? I... I we moved into the Barnes and Noble building. We were on like the 18th floor. It was a ginormous loft. That area was crazy because um, it was desolate, but yet there were um, you know clubs in the neighborhood that I would walk to. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the club that I used to go to that was so close on like 18th Street. Um, Anyway, it was, you know, it was a very interesting, it was 5th Avenue and 18th Street. And be, back then it was it was empty and desolate. Yeah, that was before Rudy Giuliani came in. Yeah, exactly. So we, I worked with her for quite a while and we, would, we did all kinds of fashion shows. I did the makeup. She was like a great kind of, you know, mentor in a way. Um, she helped me kind of you know, focus. I was at the time going to go to school and study art and, and different things. But I kind of, she set me on the path. I was already making things, selling things, doing fashion shows. So I, instead of going to school, I was kind of already entrenched in that scene. Um, 
you know, I had friends at Fiorucci. I did a little concession with jewelry. Um, and then at the same, a little bit after that, I met my, I was good friends with Laura Wills, who has the store Screaming Mamies, who Cindy Lauper had worked for as a salesperson. So wow. that's how I met Cindy. Wow, that's very cool. So you met her. Yeah, Laura was her, Laura was her stylist. And, so that was kind of like the end of the eighties, the beginning of the nineties, and we there was an interview magazine shoot, and Cindy's makeup artist was out of town, so my friend Laura recommended me, and then that was it. We traveled for years, all over the world. And, and you were her makeup artist. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty fun. Yeah. I, and Cindy it, seems like a pretty cool woman. I think she's Italian-American, right? She's, yeah, she's like got the Sicilian, you know. She's got that evil, you know, she can be like really fun and she can be really crazy wild mean, you know. <laughs> Not mean in the sense of just, she's more of a, she's a perfectionist. But we had such an amazing, you know, adventure for many years. I did all the... You know, the makeup for all the music videos, um, True Colors, I drove all night, uh, time after time. I think I worked with her for about, I don't know, eight, seven years straight. Wow. Wow. You must have really seen a lot of the world and had a lot of fun and being an artist and being with a bunch of cool artists. What a way to live. Yeah, it was it was really um at the time it was just amazing to be able to to travel around the world and just see life through kind of her eyes, you know. She was just so amazing and I got to see so many amazing things. For instance, I um there was this one night where it was on the Spanish steps in Italy and she was out walking around and I didn't, I happened to not be there that night, but what happened was she came upon a young girl that was singing on the steps and she just came up and started singing with her. And it was just such a, like when I heard the story, it was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so mad. I didn't go out that night. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, I think you're talking about the Spanish steps in Rome, right? I believe. Um, is yeah, that, yeah, you're right, Rome. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, that's an enchanting place. You know, I can see that happening there, for sure. Yeah, and and she now, had that magical quality. Well, you must have some qualities too. I think people don't just say, "Hey, hang out with me." These, you know, top shelf, world renowned artists don't say, "Hang out with me for seven years." If you don't have something pretty exceptional to offer, where 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 did you learn how to? be such a good artist, whether it be makeup or costume designing and the like, where does it come from? That's interesting. I, you know, I just, um, I, I mean, I feel like it's always been a natural kind of knack that I've had. I mean, I never, never studied makeup. Um, I just always was kind of interested in just transforming the face into like, you know, different you know, shapes and colors. And I think with Cindy, we just kind of really hit it off because she, you know, was always striving to do different looks, different ideas. Um, and 
I don't know. You know, I, I sometimes ask myself that question, am I really talented or is it just, you know, but I think it's maybe that I have a kind of personality that I'm charmed by people I work with and they be kind of become like family to me. It's kind of the way John Stewart was. I mean, he was just, you know, I admired him so much. He was such a mentor and you worked with John Stewart think, as well. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, after I worked with Cindy, I went to MTV for a while. And that's where I met John Stewart. And he started his late night show. And I was like, I'm leaving MTV. I got to go work on this. Because I was just, you know, John Stewart was amazing. And um, so I worked on the first late night show. And then. Uh, that lasted about eight months. It got canceled. And then my friend called me who was the same producer and she was like, I'm doing this little show. It's called the daily show. I don't know if you want to do it, but whatever. And I was like, of course I want to do it. And then lo and behold, you know, like several years later, it came full circle and John Stewart came back on, but you know, they hired him to replace, um, you know, the host that was there, Craig Kilborn. So I got to work with him again. I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, amazing. And, you know, 11 Emmys later, you know, he just was, I would say it was the best paid education I could have ever wanted. I mean, it was, I don't think if, if you know, if because I'm, I really love my artwork and making paintings and my art, but I loved being there and just being in the thick of all that that was going on politically. And I learned so much and I, through him, I felt like, wow, you know, humor is such a great way to kind of express yourself. So, and it's a great, you know, it's a great weapon. You know what I mean? It's I just do. like you can really get your points across with humor. I, I totally understand. And when I, myself, when I'm uh, trying to sift through all of the garbage that is going on, unfortunately, in, in Washington, and I, 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 John Oliver is who I like to watch most because I love John. Love them. Uh, I mean, I love them all. They were so. I mean, imagine being in that, you know, that kind of, you know, Petri dish of talent. Right. I mean, Stephen Colbert. Samantha B. Samantha Colbert. Yeah. You know, and I was there from the beginning. And, like, I kind of feel like I was, like, you know, the fly on the wall. I, I know I'm a really talented person. And in a way, I feel like I'm equally as talented in my own right with art and whatnot. But I so admired being in that position that I was like, I, I, this is just, this is so great, you know? How could I want to do, I don't know, it just was, it was just fantastic. I, I can't even, I can't even begin to say how much I loved it. Oh, it sounds amazing. And, and what you were doing basically is, is uh, uh, making them look good? Yeah, you know, yeah, I did the makeup, which is really that's it. You know, I did the makeup, but it was great because after a while I, you know, I expressed desire to kind of start putting, you know, art up around the building 
you know, decorating because, you know, a lot of the TV studios are just really bland, really crappy stuff on the walls. So that's when John was like, you know what, give her some money. And I went and I bought all these Basquiat posters, Warhol posters. Um, You know, I just really, you know, plastered the walls with really fun, cool art, stuff that was current. So when people would come in, it was kind of like a statement, like, okay, it's not just a, a, a TV studio. It's like, it's got all this hip stuff. You know, I, I would, I got an Annie Leibovitz book. I put her photographs up on the wall. You know, it was just like, it had a little warmth and character. It's that a- I think set it apart a little bit. So it, it, it seems you were there how many years, would you say, on the John Stewart show? I was there, and I'm almost embarrassed to say because it's such a chunk of my life, but it flew by. I was there 21 years. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, so you're... I left right after Trevor came on. I was like, after Trevor came, he was fantastic. He was so great, but I was kind of like, I was just itching to get out and to try some other things, but, you know, I had a great position there, but I just was you know, restless to try other things. That sounds like you had to be part of a, a, a pretty tight knit community of 21 years working with all these folks. So, uh, yeah, your it's personality. An amazing yeah. Comedy central and the daily show. I mean, it, that they were as good as it gets. I mean, in terms of generosity, taking care of us, sending us to the Emmys. I mean, it was just the, you know, the parties, they just really, were like I, you know, it's hard to leave. It was like, you know, wow, we got it so good. It's like you don't really want to go, but well, wh- uh, where did you, you know, decide to go after the after the Daily Show after Trevor came in? What was your next move? Well, what happened was I, you know, I I was uh, Jordan Klepper was one of my favorite um, correspondents. He was, you know, there for I don't know, maybe three years or something, and he was just the same as like an Oliver, you know, he's just one of those charming, charismatic. Um, I would say he's, you know, he's a triple threat. He's got the looks, he's charming, he's funny, he's personable. Uh, he's kind of like, um, he, he just is an amazing person. So anyway, he was doing his show called The Opposition for Comedy Central. It only lasted about eight months, but I left to go do that show. And, you know, it was a fantastic experience. It was, you know, he, he, um, you know, it was another political show, which was supposed to be parroting. Like, uh, he was a, um, like a Uber right wing character. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I just think the you know everybody you know the landscape is so packed with political stuff now it's 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 a tough landscape. It is, and the Daily Show pretty much was the trailblazer and all that. You know, uh, they were the mm-hmm. first to do it. Now, you, I, jeez, I can go so many places with all this stuff. Uh, do you have any uh, anecdotes other than you, you shared a nice one with the Spanish uh, regarding the Spanish Steps in Rome and Cindy Lauper singing with some. Uh, some person on the steps. Any other uh, anecdotes you'd like to share before I start asking you about Debbie Harry and your, and your sense of creativity well, and all that? We did, we did have some fantastic experience with uh, this Australian group 
called Noise Works. And we had we met them. We were in Gibraltar of all places, and it was our day off. And we were so annoyed because the record company was giving us a big, fantastic dinner party. And so you're with Cindy we again like, now. This yeah, is, this is back and we with were, Cindy. Okay. We had just finished. Um, Sony Music had been had just finished a big concert, and they were they had all their groups that had flown into Gibraltar for this big music event. And Noiseworks was one of their bands that uh, were flown in as well. And so when we went to the dinner uh, given by Sony Music, the band was there. And they were four gorgeous guys, you know, not that that matters, but they brought their guitars and Cindy and them the the lead singer, they proceeded to start singing in this little, it was like a little restaurant. We were all drinking grappa. And she sang with them because they, they could sing everything from Joplin to uh, John Lennon to Tina. To, I mean, they just sang everything together. And the sun was coming up and we were just like in so, it was just one of those magnificent, nights where you were like oh my god this is legendary i'm alive and that I'm was alive. that was the noise noiseworks band they were they we met them again in paris and that was another another great night they were just amazing amazing band and the lead singer was fantastic so this was so grappa grappa in rome again we are uh this was gibraltar gibraltar i'm sorry i missed you did say gibraltar um yeah, Gibraltar. You're, you're, yeah, yeah, again. And she was, and she was. I remember looking at her, and she was sweating, and all of her makeup was sweated off, but she just still had her false eyelashes on, and I was like, oh my god, she's a legend. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're talking to Jody Morlock, painter, makeup artist, clothes designer, graphic artist, illustrator, and seems to me a very <laughs> good friend to a lot of. Uh, very influential and talented artists in this world because you yourself, I would have to say, must be one as well. You know, there are people who have a lot of talent and energy and at the same time are in the spotlight, so to speak. They need solid people around them so they don't lose their minds, so they don't lose their souls. And uh, you sound like one of those people, Jody. I think so. I mean, you know, I just love, I mean, I can't imagine any other kind of life other than like being a creative and an artist. And I'm also, I'm a back burner. I'm a fan of people. And so I'm, I love to give what I have to give and just help to let them create what they need to create, you know? Well, let's talk, let's talk about your art. Let's talk about, you know, um, what you're trying to work uh, on right now, what you're trying to accomplish, or are you just kind of going with the flow? Well, with my artwork, I've had a lot of great success. I, I've never, I've never been able to kind of go the route of galleries. Uh, although, you know, I was around in the eighties and I, I, I didn't know them so much personally, but Basquiat, I, you know, I knew them to say hello and keep hearing. So I was, 
you know, I was there to see all those magnificent, that magnificent era of the art scene, you know, which was larger than life. They were like the rock stars back then. Um, so I, I think I was so intimidated to even, you know, try to be a painter. But as time went on, I think in 2000, I really started to paint and do my artwork. And I found a lot of success through the interior design world, which was, um, you know, working with architects. I found a store in the Hamptons that uh, sold really high-end furniture, design, you know, lamp lighting designers. And so their clients would come in in the summer and they had a lot of money to spend. So this one store come for collection, which is in Bridgehampton, uh, were big supporters of my work. And through them, I got to meet Jeffrey Beers, who was a major architect. He did like the, um, oh, geez. And he did, um, I'm trying to think. I can't, I'm losing the name of the, the place in Miami. But um, he, you know, I through him, I got to do a lot of work for the Intercontinental Hotel uh, with Jeffrey Beers. So, you know, I've had a lot of success with my artwork. It's been, you know, Johnny Depp's bought, bought, bought a painting. You know, I have a lot of people, celebrities and whatever, interior people and designers and architects. So in that respect, I am pretty successful, but I've never been able to tap into like a gallery. I mean, I, I did do two shows uh, with this gallery uh, downtown called Click Gallery. And she was, um, she used to own all these stores called Calypso. And she opened a gallery about, I don't know, 10 years ago. So I did a couple of shows with her. What part of town and, was that? You know, in? I'm kind of like, a, I've got my own little niche. You know what I mean? People know me and I sell and it's, people collect my work. But it's kind of like, you know, it's a, it's a quiet little thing that goes on. Well, what do you, what do you work in? What medium? Um, I do, you know, I do big paintings. I, um, do them so that they're modular. So because I don't have a lot of space, I kind of work on small canvases and then I glue them down on panels so that they can be built big. And, and do you use acrylic or gouache or? uh... Yeah. Acrylics. Yeah. Mostly acrylics, but you know, I do all kinds of stuff. I do you know, kind of sculptures and, you know, it's mostly abstract stuff, a little bit of figurative thrown in. It's kind of an eclectic mix of styles. Now, you had, you have a, or you had a work at Pangea. Is that, is that right on the wall or was that something that you... Uh, you... Yeah, that was great. Arnaldo um, approached me. We had done a couple of things with, we did one show with two of my friends that were other artists and, um, we did a group show and then Arnaldo was like, well, I really want you to do something. What do you want to do? Whatever. I said, well, what if I just paint on the walls, you know? And it started out small and then it just kept snowballing into the whole place. <laughs> it's beautiful. Pangea, by the way, is on, uh, it's on second Avenue in New York city. It's, uh, in the, in, in the village, the East village. It has a great cabaret club there as well. Second and 11th street. And they have amazing cabaret. I mean, it's really like 
you know, it's like old school. It's like the way New York used to be when you had these great clubs and restaurants and bars that supported the arts. And, you know, it's like a little hub of, of, you know, wonderfulness that goes on. You don't see that as much as you did back in the 80s, huh? Or in the 90s? No, no. Too much, no. too commercial it's, now? Uh, yeah, I mean, and, I think the rents are just too damn high. You remember know? that guy? Remember like, that guy who ran for mayor? And the rents are yeah, too damn high? <laughs> I'm quoting him. Yeah. The rents are just too damn high. <laughs> God rest his soul. I think he passed on, but man, he really, he, he, he was right. He, and NYU is part yeah. of the problem, too. I remember we had this conversation. Um, with uh, some folks recently, uh, and and uh, who are in the village, and they said NYU is is really a part of the problem as well. I mean, NYU is a great institution, yeah. but anyway, we won't go off on that. Uh, Jody, how about a little bit of, uh, regarding, I guess, one of your latest projects, working with the great Debbie Harry. I know. Can you believe it? I got struck by lightning again, again. I mean, it was just amazing. I got a call when. Actually, I got uh, an email from Rob Roth trying to reach out to me. He says, I've been trying to get a hold of you. You don't get back. You don't this. You don't that. Anyway, he says, I work with Debbie Harry, and I want to come and meet you. I want to talk to you about she's doing a memoir. Um, so I, I met up with Rob, and he's amazing. He's kind of like her I guess artistic kind of director, like he recently, they just did the town hall interview with Debbie and, um, you know, he did all the kind of, uh, art direction for the book, the inside, he got me and the other artist, Sean to kind of do all the illustrations. And what was amazing is he said to me one day, like, I want to do some, you know, illustrations for the inside of the book but we have this one photo you know what do you think and so I just gave him a stack of drawings that I thought were you know fun and then he animated them so at the town hall you see this giant animation on a screen of my drawings that have to do with a photograph of hers that the negative was damaged so in other words it's her face but it's it's kind of like the part where her face is, it's all damaged. So I just did all these drawings of like a face and then he animated. So the two of us just like, we just hit it off. And again, I was just, wow. I, I was like, she's such a part of my, you know, moving to New York, the eighties, you know, she was always so inspiring. And I just, believe me, I, I, I pinched myself to think that I was so lucky to got, you know, that he contacted me and I've got to work with him. So that is amazing. That's, and, and, and it's the cover then? Yeah, the drawings, and you know, I they're, they're kind of like hot little hieroglyphs, I call them. Uh, they're like urban, you know, I call them urban hieroglyphs. They're just little scribble drawings. So they're on the cover of the book, the inside cover of the book, and throughout the book um, on different like photographs, he added them. And there's another artist. I, I, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't know his last name, but his name is Sean. He did these other kind of almost like little alien cartoons and his style is different, but yeah, he, he's also in the book. 
And the book is called Face It. It's a memoir by Debbie Harry. Did you have a chance yet to meet yes. her or talk with her? Well, not yet. I, sh I should have gone backstage on uh, the, at the town hall, but it just looked like, you know, she had so many people and so much. So I was like, you know what? I'll save it for another time. See, that's why they like you, because you're cool like that. <laughs> you know, you know he, that's, I could see it. I understand. Uh, you know, I've you know had she was busy. Yeah, it's right. overwhelming. You know, I don't want to bug her for pictures or whatever. No, I, I, I respect that, Jody Morlock. It's a pleasure talking with you on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. We're just about out of time this go round. I, I, I all a, right, Mister Conundrum. I had so much fun. Me too. I'm, I'm very enchanted by you. I'd love to have you on the show again. Okay, thank you so much. And uh, one last thing, what what can we? I mean, how could we find out what you're doing next? Is there is there a web page that people can go to so we can know what's next for you? Instagram, Insta Instagram, Jody Morlock, and I'm also I use the, the tag a lot, uh, Dig Morlock, D I G M O R L O C K. And and what what is the next thing for you? Oh, the next thing. I'm just so happy. I'm going to just paint like a, you know, like a demon. I'm going to just paint and work and just kind of relax because I didn't even talk. I just got off a, a puppet show with iTunes, and that's a whole other story. <laughs> you live a good <laughs> so life. That's for another time. Yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very. And that show, that show is called Helpsters, the Helpsters. The Helpsters, and that's something else you're working on, or you worked on. Yeah, that's coming out. It's, it should be out any minute on Apple TV. Excellent. Helpsters. Well, we'll, we'll look forward to that. Thank you for being on Troubadours on Rock on Tours, Jody. You're, you're, you're very inspiring and a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> I came to say goodbye. But why, Boris? Why? I've made up my mind. I'm going away. Then I should be alone. That journey into the desert you've spoken of, you will take it alone. What else can I do? Once you said to me that peace and happiness might be found there, you gave me hope. And now, Second hand unwind If you're lost, you can love 
An article titled, Debbie Harry Recounts a Career Laden with Drugs and Rock and Roll, written by Emma Silvers for the San Francisco Chronicle. Debbie Harry doesn't need to prove a damn thing. That much was obvious the evening of Thursday, October 3rd, at the Jewish Community Center of San Francisco. As the 74-year-old frontwoman of Blondie, perhaps the defining act at the intersection of American punk and new wave music, took the stage to a standing ovation to discuss her new book, Face It. Everyone wears tight pants, she said with a shrug, in reference to the Washington Post's widely and correctly derided headline, suggesting the singer was more famous for her looks than her artistic contributions. As she said, this... She was, indeed, wearing tight pants. Day glow pink with matching heels. Natch. Of course, one hardly need to be a Debbie Harry scholar to understand why she matters beyond sartorial choices. Throughout a candid 90-minute conversation with her blondie co-founder, guitarist Chris Stein, and the artist Rob Roth, the book's creative director, the singer shared Frank's stories from her half-century in the trenches as a cultural icon, all with a dry sense of humor and a low tolerance for BS. So I had this friend who gave me a gram of blow, and I thought that would last me all tour, began Harry cheerfully in her very first anecdote of the night, a story that started on her 1977 run with Iggy Pop and ended with David Bowie exposing himself to her 
as a display of gratitude, maybe, for sharing her stash. Indeed, a fine dusting of cocaine seemed to coat many of the evening's tales. It quickly became a recurring gag that Harry remembered roughly half the things her bandmate swore she was present for. But when you've achieved what Harry has, 40 million records sold, countless bands influenced, ships launched, etc., it turns out you get a pass. The talk careened between her decades of work and dishy rock and roll gossip, her youth in New Jersey, and the early years of Blondie, when Harry's sultry voice and grit meets glam style became synonymous with the scene around CBGB's and the Lower East Side. It touched on her solo music career and film work like John Waters' Hairspray, her passion for collecting fan art, the time she sang backup for Lou Reed at Madison Square Garden, her loving relationship with the drag community, and her role at Grace Jones's Baby Shower. The bandmates also nodded gamely to San Francisco with memories of crazy parties at the punk club Mabuhe Gardens with the Avengers' Penelope Houston. And that time Bill Graham tried to strangle our tour manager on stage at the Fillmore, according to Harry. He stole my underwear. I think he was selling it. The singer thanked the British-born San Francisco music journalist Sylvie Simmons, who was present, for helping her write the memoir, noting that she couldn't have done it on her own. I'm kind of lazy, the singer said to laughs. Of course, Harry remains synonymous with New York. There was her friendship with Andy Warhol, who made the singer's sky-high cheekbones and signature cat eyes the stuff of pop art textbooks when he took her as a muse. And then the shift from punk to disco with legendary debauchery at Studio 54. Ask what she recalled from the famously drug-fueled parties in the venue's basement, she replied that it had a very low ceiling. By the evening's end, the recounting had taken on a Forrest Gump effect. If you could think of something famous that took place in the 1970s, Debbie Harry was probably there, looking stunning, casually being the coolest person in the room. Missing from the conversation, however, were her darker notes, the grittiest parts of the dance between the grit and the glam. Her memoir deals frankly with heroin addiction and details a time she was raped at knife point. It also delves into the former couple's bankruptcy, the band's breakup, and Stein's battle with an autoimmune disease, all of which were not addressed on Thursday. To be sure, those topics don't fit neatly into sound bites, but Harry also doesn't seem like the kind of person who dwells on bad times. One doesn't get the feeling she's prone to dwelling, period. Give it up for the tough girls, she said triumphantly at one point, after a reference to women's roller derby. It was clear in that moment that she sees herself as a stubborn, down-to-earth workhorse, as much as, or perhaps more than, a glitzy rock and roller. She kicked up a pink heel as she said it, and the sold-out crowd roared on cue for her, a tough girl in tight pants with absolutely nothing to prove. 
Cindy, Debbie, Jody, Johnny, Bam Bam, and Shifty Eye Simpleton all convene nightly on that shag carpet inside Jake's pool hall back room, raving the quintessential brilliance of artistic sublimeness in density and of proportions inspired and warm as true life is breathed into born. I once loved a boy so smart and true We would walk home Every day from the school He'd say I think we could walk forever Oh no, have it just a little while Okay, he would make me laugh like the devil Ha ha, he would pick me up like the child That I was In my time I'd like to stay young forever Like a tide The crest burning sunny weather May we fill these lungs with laughter ha, ha. And may we shake these bones with style Watch And may we claim all that we're after Everything And may we do it wearing a smile And may the breath we breathe For you to remain a part of me episode 339 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Jody Morlock. Also, thank you to writer Emma Silvers and these musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Haim, Cindy Lauper, Blondie, Kevin Morby, 
and of course Terrence Blanchard and Branford Marsalis too. Until next time, let's give it a go and enjoy this time. Thanks for listening.